welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Aaron Summers. John DeShazer is on assignment, so it's just me today. But we're going to have a fun guest to break things down from the Saints-Titans game and look forward to the Eagles game this weekend. It was a tough one. We're still processing what happened in Nashville. The Saints are back on the practice field, so they're working on moving forward. So we're going to do a little bit of the same. We're going to bring in Boomer Esiason, who's a former NFL quarterback. He currently works for CBS Sports as an NFL host and analyst. Definitely the guy that we need to be talking to, especially when it comes to some quarterback play. Boomer, thank you so much for joining the podcast today, taking the time out of what I know is a very busy schedule for you. Aaron, it's great to see you. Thanks for having me on. How can I fix the Saints today? Uh, I don't know. I'm hoping that you can help me for sure. You were on the halftime show for our game this past weekend in Nashville. It was a 23-21 loss for the Saints. I heard some of your comments at the half. Well, after it was all said and done, kind of what were your takeaways there? You know, I, I feel like they got screwed again. Uh, you know, most fans watching games uh, can understand when their team loses and maybe it's a great play by an opposing quarterback or defensive back makes an interception or there's a run back of some sort, or maybe your own coach just blows it by, you know, trying to run it four times from one yard line and can't get it into the end zone. But what we don't like as broadcasters and fans is when we feel like our team uh, is getting jobbed. And what I mean by that is a bad call. Now I played in 186 NFL games. So I've, I've seen a few bad calls affect my games, both, both outcomes, win and lose. But I, I don't know. I go back to the Rams-Saints-NFC championship game and thinking that the Saints should have been in the Super Bowl against the Patriots as opposed to the Rams. And then I see what happened on Sunday. Now, I know it was in the first half and there's still a lot of football left to be played, but that was an interception. And interceptions are game-changing. They're momentum-changing. Anything can happen after an interception, especially one that's thrown in the end zone by the opposing quarterback. So I still can't explain uh, what I saw there. And I will tell you this, that I know that there are a lot of coaches out there that agree with me. And I think a lot of fans would agree with me that we have to start replaying, roughing the passer calls because they are game changers. And when those things happen uh, the way that it did on Sunday, in the middle of a season with a team that, you know, is right in the middle of both teams are in the thick of the playoff run it really begets uh, very frustrating for all of us. And uh, I just wanted to call it as I saw it. Um, I have no dog in the fight, but uh, I get paid to give a, a, an unbiased opinion. And that's exactly what I saw happen on Sunday. I think a lot of people would agree with you. The rough in the passer call was not something that needed to be called at that point, negating <laughs> that interception and just changing momentum for the game. Uh, Coach Payton said it was gut-wrenching. You never want to see a game go that way. So how do you shift momentum back in the right direction as they're heading into this game against the Eagles? Well, I think in past years, they would be able to like fall on the shoulders of Drew Brees. You know, he was the ultimate team leader, the ultimate guy in the locker room that no matter how bad it got, he would weather the storm. And, and, and Sean would too. I mean, these were two guys that are Hall of Fame caliber type people at their respective positions. You put them together, you got such a strong tandem at the top. I mean, you know, guys like Demario Davis have got to pick it up on the defense. And, and he has, by the way, you know, he's played great. I mean, he's almost on every tackle. You see his number. It's all over the field. So it, it's guys like that you got to fall back on. And you got to hope that your top players are going to come back, that the Alvin Kamara's of the world and the Terran Armsteads of the world are going to be back on the field because that will make whoever's playing quarterback, whether it be Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill, make their job that much easier. And by the way, you know, I know there's probably some discussion about who should be playing quarterback. 
I mean, if my backup quarterback is going to play the way Trevor Simeon has played the last two games, especially late in the game, then I'm good with that. I'm good with that. He gives me, he's given me a chance to win. Everybody around him has got to raise their level. They got to stop dropping passes. They got to stop, stop committing penalties. You know, this is what's killing them. It's not really their quarterback, although he's gotten up to a couple of slow starts. But at the end of the day, a backup quarterback is an insurance policy. And, and if you ask me, my insurance policy, whether I got it from State Farm or Allstate, uh, has worked out pretty well if you're Sean Payton from the performance that I've seen thus far from Trevor Simeon. Yeah, absolutely. He's got five touchdown passes, no interceptions, which I think is something that you really have to hang your hat on. He's managing the game well, making good decisions, maybe been sacked a few too many times, could be on mm -hmm. the offensive line there or some of the decision making from him. But he has done a very good job going forward. What is it going to take for him to start games a little bit better, maybe get a little bit more comfortable? You know, it's uh, most most coaches start a game with a 15 play kind of script and, you know, the quarterback is able to sleep on it, think about it and kind of visualize about the way the game is going to start. And then sometimes those things go haywire, depending on the way the game starts, where the field position is, what is happening at that point in the game. And, you know, I'm sure he's a little bit nervous. Let's face it. You know, he's not used to starting. As a matter of fact, <laughs> he was here in New York. It was just awful for him. It was a really bad experience. And, but it just also goes to show you the great coach that Sean Payton is that, you know, he can win with Jameis Winston. He can win with Taysom Hill. He can win with Trevor Simeon. It didn't always have to be uh, Drew Brees, although Drew made it a lot easier for everybody. I'm sure that the game plan is not 100% in. I'm sure that Sean is trying to put him in position where he can be uh, uh, healthy and he can be safe and he's not going to you know, put himself at risk. The other thing, too, is that his teammates can make some plays for him. I mean, you know, don't drop the ball on third down. I mean, that's a way that you just keep you hold on to the ball. You have more shots. You have more chances. Um, you know, the penalties that have come in uh, inopportune times, like last week on the two-point play, you can't, you can't have a penalty on a two-point play. You just can't. I mean, especially one that's going to tie the game and put it into overtime most likely. So I, I would just say that he's playing fine. Uh, the players around him have got to pick it up. They've got to play better. Uh, better. You know, McAllister was good last week, but, you know, he's not Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara just makes the whole field different for everybody that he's playing with and could take a two-yard pass, Aaron, and turn it into a 20-yard gain or an 80-yard touchdown run. So when you get him back in the mix and he's healthy again, you know, he's the difference maker and that will help start the games off better. I'm sure for the saints. Everybody's waiting to see what Alvin Kamara's status will be this week. It's definitely going to be somebody to watch because as you said, he is an absolute game changer. You mentioned the drop passes, the penalties. It's what we've mm -hmm. been saying for the past couple of weeks. You just got to fix the little things, but how do you do that? Because it's been a, a common theme here over the past few weeks. Yeah, you know, I smile, you smile, but I can tell you that the players and the coaches are not smiling inside. As uh, Coach uh, Payton said this week, it's gut-wrenching, and what's gut-wrenching are the, the unforced errors, the errors that you make, not because of what they're doing to you. And catching a pass, you know, and maybe having it knocked away from you is one thing, but dropping a pass wide open for a first down or a touchdown is a completely different set of circumstances. So I think what you try to do is you try to send a message if you're a coach through the media a little bit. And sometimes you you want to put people on notice. You want to bring, bring guys that are not on the roster in on a Tuesday or Wednesday and parade them through the locker room, let guys know that, you know, maybe their job is not safe unless, unless they pick up their play. It's all those kind of mind games that coaches play. But I think Sean's in a really delicate situation right now because, you know, losing two in a row like this as heartbreaking and as gut-wrenching as they were – 
you know, he's also got to make sure that the rest of the team is still looking at the big picture, that they're very much in the mix here. And their next three games are like a murderer's row of teams that they got to play. And, and Philadelphia, even though it's got a losing record, I mean, you know, they're just like the Saints. They're physical. They're, they're intimidating. They want to run the ball. They want to play great defense. You know, Jalen Hurts is running all over the place, making plays. So that's not going to be an easy thing for this defense. But then after that, you know, you got Buffalo and Dallas on deck. Now the coaches and the players don't look that way. We as fans and media do. So they have to win this football game this week. And then when you look at the back end of their schedule, the last four or five games within their own division, eh, it's not going to be easy. But, you know, this is like a Jekyll and Hyde team. And it's more of a reflection, I think, of the NFL in general at just how much parity there is. There are probably about 20 to 24 teams that are going to end up somewhere between 10 and 7 and 7 and 10. And then there's going to be the also-rans, and then they're going to be the ones that are led by Hall of Fame quarterbacks, like Drew Brees used to lead the Saints. So they're right there in the pack, but they got to win this game against Philadelphia. You mentioned the NFL in general has been very crazy this year. There have been a lot of teams that we didn't think would be losing that are losing. And the last time that there were teams that had two losses, every single team had at least two losses in the NFL through week 11 was 2010. So this isn't something that happens very often. Usually there are those teams that are the front runners. Who do you think is going to be the teams that are left at the end of this? Well, when I look at right now, I mean, there's no question that Green Bay is probably the best balanced team in the league. I mean, just when Aaron Rodgers came back and he was a little bit off this week, they still won and they shut out Russell Wilson for the first time in 166 games for Russell. So uh, that tells you all you need to know about Green Bay, that they do have a very good defense. And then they, they play complementary football along with, with Aaron Rodgers. So I, I think they're unquestionably right now, at least we sit here, uh, that they are the best team in the NFC. Over in the AFC, a little bit more wide open. You know, you guys just saw Tennessee. They're a good team. They're not a great team. Buffalo flexed its muscle against maybe the worst team in the AFC, and that's the Jets. So I really don't know where they are totally because uh, we'll find out a little bit more about them this week. They play Indianapolis, and I'm sure Indianapolis and Buffalo will be a much closer game. So the AFC wide open, but in the NFC, I think the clear leader of the pack, for me at least right now, is the Green Bay Packers. All right, looking at the Saints' next matchup, we've talked a little bit about the Eagles and where they're at. They've definitely changed their game plan, much more run-heavy, and then they're going to the option after that. With the Saints being the number one rushing defense in the NFL right now, how do you think this matchup is going to play out? You know, I think it's an advantage Saints. They usually play good against teams that try to run the ball, but the key here is, is corralling Jalen Hurts. You know, he's not the accurate, most accurate of passers. Um, I wouldn't call him a top-tier quarterback in the league. I think what he is is a top-tier competitor. That's what I really think he is. I think there are a lot of people that question whether or not he can be the long-term solution in Philadelphia, and he plays with the chip on the shoulder that you have to play with. And when you watch him play, there's a lot of, like, off, you know, off-script plays that he's making. And, you know, DeMario and the guys are just going to have to say, hey, look, man, we got to keep this guy in between the tackles somehow. And try to do what maybe the Bengals or the Dolphins did to uh, Lamar Jackson when they played the Ravens. You know, Lamar was never able to get outside and make those off-script plays that are so wow-oriented, and they turn into big plays. And so Jalen Hurts is kind of like that. He's not as nearly as good as Lamar, but he's that kind of athlete. He's that kind of quarterback. So that's first and foremost. And, you know, you want to force him to his left. He throws really well running to his right. He throws okay to his left. 
but he also runs effectively to his right. So I think game plan wise defensively is try to force him to his left if you can. And if, and if he is going to get out of the pocket, make him run left. If not, you got to try to keep him in the pocket. And look, no quarterback likes to get hit. I don't care who you are. And he's not the biggest of guys. So when you get back there, you got to do it legally, by the way, as we found out last week. Um, and you got to you got to leave a mark and you got to make sure that he knows you're coming 20, you know, for, for the entire game, all four quarters. Because of the way that this game went last season, the Saints were on a nine game win streak. They lose 24-21 in Jalen Hurts' first career start with the Eagles. It was a very uh, unique game in the fact that they ran for almost 250 yards on the Saints. And Hertz had over 100 yards passing, 100 yards on the ground. Does that add any more incentive to a player to come in as the Saints coming into Philadelphia and try to get redemption for that game? Yeah, there's no question. But they also now know who they're playing against. You know, last year they had really no idea what they were going to see or what it was going to look like or how fast he was and really what his tendencies were. So now you have a bunch of tape on him. You have all his tendencies. Uh, you know what he's good at. You know where he struggles. Uh, the one thing I will say about Jalen um, that that I really do like is that when he does break the pocket, it, it's not like he's going to make a mistake. I mean, he's more apt to run with it than try to force something unless it's late in the game and he has to. So he's competitive. He's smart. Um, he doesn't panic, uh, which is a big thing for young quarterbacks. A lot of young quarterbacks, you know, panic in their first or second year, especially one in Philadelphia. You know, I, I mean, Philadelphia is a nuts place to play. And there's people coming down on him all the time. And I think that kind of fuels that chip on his shoulder. But it will help the Saints defense knowing what he looked like from playing against him last year. So that's why I was telling you from a defensive perspective, it's going to be really, really important to try to bottle that up. I mean, if he has over 50 yards rushing, um, that means he's converting third downs. That means he's creating those off, uh, you know, script plays. And those are the things that really drive you crazy if you're a defensive coordinator. It's really frustrating playing a guy like this uh, because the athleticism sometimes really puts a, the onus and the pressure on your defensive line and linebackers. But I, and I think the Saints should be up for it this week. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out, especially in the trenches with the way that they are both running and stopping the run. You mentioned how nuts it is to play in Philly. Where is the most ridiculous place that you played at? Well, you know, I played at the Bermuda Triangle of the NFL. That would be the Cardinals, Bengals, and Jets Aaron, back when I played. Uh, back, I don't even think you were born when I was playing. But, um, <laughs> you know, I would say that uh, playing in New York is difficult. Uh, you know, they've swallowed up a number of quarterbacks here, especially young quarterbacks. Philadelphia is certainly not easy. Um, I think there's expectations all across the league. I think fans are passionate about their team. I know they're passionate about their team down in New Orleans and Buffalo and Green Bay, you know, small market teams. You know, they have rabid fan bases. I mean, look at what Aaron Rodgers just went through over the last two weeks, you know, with the with all the COVID nonsense. So um, I, I think wherever you play these days is going to be pressure packed. It's just that sometimes when you play in a bigger city like Philadelphia or New York, you could be out, you could be going, doing your grocery shopping, picking up your cleaning, whatever it may be. And fans are not afraid to come up to you and tell you, hey, man, you know what? Your team sucks and you suck. So uh, you just got to kind of get used to that. And now with the advent of social media, uh, fans can get to these players a lot, a lot quicker than they used to be able to when I was playing. So I would always uh, advise these guys today, turn off the media mentions. Do not listen to what people are saying to you.
yeah, I mean, I get a little bit of it and I'm not even the one that's playing. I'm just talking about the team. I, I'm, I can't catch passes. I'm sorry. I can't do it for you guys. <laughs> you that's done, exactly right. I tell them all yeah. the time. I just have, I just have an opinion, man. I'm like everybody else out there. So hopefully the Saints uh, fans appreciated my opinion this weekend. Absolutely. You've done so much since your playing career. I saw you co-hosted Miss America. You do uh, the, the kitten bowl. Uh, what are some yes. of, what's the favorite thing that you've done? <laughs> Well, Miss America was great. I really enjoyed that. That was back in, I think, 1998 or 1999. The Kitten Bowl, I've done like the last six or seven years with Beth Ostrovsky. She's Howard Stern's wife, and she's big for the North Shore Animal League uh, USA here in New York. Um, no, I really enjoy the, uh, the greatest uh, Super Bowl commercial show that I've done over the last eight years. I've co-hosted that with uh, Daniela Rua now uh, the last four or five years, and she's on NCS uh, LA, NCIS LA. So uh, I love that show. It's just kind of a little bit different. It's, you know, you're in prime time. Uh, it's not has really, it has something to do with sports, but it's more, more of a variety type show. So I kind of like that stuff. And of course, Aaron, you and I work together on game time and that may be the best show of all time. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm glad I got to meet you on that show. I have to ask you before I let you go, how's your hockey game? Hey, well, I appreciate you asking me that. It's very good. As a matter of fact, I'm all ramped up now, playing about three times a week, uh, getting the competitive juices flowing. Certainly love it. As, uh, and plus, I have a son-in-law who plays in the NHL, who plays for the rival team that I root for. So I root for the New York Rangers. He plays for the Islanders. And uh, we have an Islander Ranger game uh, the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to deal with my daughter during that game because now all of a sudden she's a turncoat and an Islander fan. And I can understand why. So uh, hockey's a big part in our family here. And this is hockey season. So I love it as much as I do football. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today and talking some football with me. All right. Anytime, Aaron. Good luck the rest of the way. Thank you so much to Boomer for joining us on the podcast today. Always fun to hear from a former player and he knows the game inside and out. So definitely some good stuff to look for on this Eagles matchup regarding Jalen Hurts and their quarterback there in Philadelphia. If you miss any of the podcasts, you can always find them on NewOrleansSaints.com or Apple iTunes. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. On Friday's edition of the podcast, we'll have Adam Amin. He is going to be the play-by-play -play for our game on Sunday. It's 12 o'clock on Fox. We'll be with Mark Schlereth and Shannon Spake on the call there. So make sure that you check that out. And then prior to the game is our pregame show. We're going to get you ready for everything coming your way in Philadelphia about an hour before kick. It's on YouTube. It's on the New Orleans Saints website. It's on Twitter. You can't miss it. You can also always catch player interviews live on any of those platforms. Lots of stuff. We don't want you to miss anything, Saints. We're all looking forward to this one. I'll talk to you guys again on Friday.